0: Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to my show, Blessings with Selene, and I thank you for listening in and taking time away from doing other things, especially during this busy holiday season, in order to find out what messages the angels may want to give you for this week during this show. I know that you know that life is difficult. You know, we spend our lives being terrified, feeling terrified of dying. And I believe, I firmly believe, that after we die, we will realize too late that after dying, existing at that level is much easier than it was to live. But the thing is that we know what life is, however difficult it may be, but what scares us is the unknown, right? Which brings me to the subject of why we tend to choose to stay within the status quo instead of taking active steps to change the areas of our lives that may not be working. Well, the reason we do that is because we're humans. It's because of our human nature. And change is not a thing that we welcome at all. But so what happens then when an unexpected event happens in our lives which brings about unwelcome changes such as the death of a child or the death of a loved one? How do we deal with that? That is one thing we're not taught about or are ever prepared for, right? Well, there are many ways in which we can deal with it. You know, we can refuse to accept the changes. We can decide to accept what has happened, no matter how difficult it is to accept, and take steps to figure out how to deal with the changed circumstances in our lives. Or we can choose to not react or even acknowledge what has happened and basically shut down. Each of these choices creates a ripple effect in our lives that brings about different feelings, different emotions, and different experiences into your life. It all depends on who you are, on the experiences that have shaped you, up to the point when the event happened, and it also depends on how resilient you are. However, there is no reason to feel in any way bad or guilty about the way that we face adversity in our lives. What's important, and in fact, what is extremely important, is that we take steps to become more self-aware. So what do I mean by this? I mean that we take time to discover who we are. What comments made by our parents, friends, family, the media Did we take into our consciousness? What makes us feel afraid and what inspires us? Because, you know, the better we get to know ourselves, the more successful we're going to be in figuring out what we need to do in order to change our lives. And how so? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, It has to do with an ex-client of mine who, she was having issues I was coaching her in life, and um, she was not a bereaved uh, parent, but she was having difficulties with her relationships. And she thought, she had thought that everyone was good and everybody told the truth because she had been overprotected in her upbringing. So once she had left her home and went to college, she found herself on her own. And what happened? reality came crashing down into her world. And she began to realize that everyone was different. You know, some people lied easily, while others would strive to always tell the truth. And so the area of her life where she had the most difficulty was her romantic life, because she kept being fooled by guys all the time. So in time, with a lot of reflection, healing, and self-work, she began to pay attention to not what the people that she was going out with said, but to what they did, to how they lived, to how they expressed themselves about the ones that they, they were in their lives. And so she began to notice them, to see between the cracks, to see the weak places in their stories. And so, as a result, she became much more self-aware, she became much wiser when making her relationship choices. And what happened? She was able to recognize a kindred soul, a kindred soul in a young man. Because the more she got to know him, the more she liked him. Why? Because he let her in to see who he was, the good and the bad and the ugly. And that is how she began to develop a truly intimate relationship with him. She began to feel close to him, not as a delusion, but a true closeness because she really got to know know him. So as a result, she's no longer feeling struggling or confused. So that, my friends, is the power of self-reflection. It's the power of looking back into our lives. It's the power of taking the time to get to know ourselves. So, that we can change our life experiences for the better, just like this client of mine did for herself. So, this is an example that shows us how, by shining a light into what having been missing in this client's upbringing, by looking squarely at what she was doing wrong and being committed to learning from her mistakes, she was able to transform her experiences in the romantic area and create a much more fulfilling life for herself. But why am I sharing this with you? Because no matter where you are in life, no matter where anybody who's listening to this show today is, no matter what has happened to you, there's always hope for something better. But you know something? Hope is not enough. No, hope is only the start. We have to take action in order to turn that hope of an easier life where we experience less pain, less struggle, less anxiety, less anger, and more ease to a life where we have more peace, more fulfillment, and more joy so that we can make that into a reality. And do you think that is possible? It sure is. And do you want to know how to do it? Well, it all begins with making a different choice than the one that you have been making so far. The choice of turning the light on inside of yourself to examine and look deeply into what makes you afraid, what makes you angry, what makes you feel inspired, what makes you happy. And that requires that you go on a sentimental journey through your childhood to all the main experiences that have left an indelible mark in your psyche, in your heart, that it is there until this day, and it affects the life that you are living right now. It also requires that you look at all the traumatic experiences that you have had so far, and do you examine how you have dealt with them? Do you face them head on? Do you seek counseling in order to heal? Do you journal about your feelings? To find a way to release to release them, or did you push the traumas out of your mind to a deep down place and shut the door in order to not feel the pain? No matter how you do, you dealt with it, what matters is the information that you get about who you are and how you and how you deal with things. Because the realizations that you can reach after doing this will give you all the information that you need to make the conscious choices that you can make now as an adult to take the healthy steps forward to heal. Why? So that you can live the life that you want so much with all your heart. I mean, don't you want to struggle less? Don't you want to feel less afraid and less anxious? Don't you want to feel loved and to be happy? I know you want all those things because we all want those things. But in order to get there, what I'm saying is that you have to believe that that is possible first, and then you have to have the courage because it takes courage to face our inner demons because we all have them. We all carry a lot of baggage. We may not talk about it, but the fact is that we do. And those who choose to heal by working on themselves, carry a much lighter baggage, and that translates into this. Those people that have worked on healing themselves, they have the capacity to have a better life because they're able to have easier relationships due to being able to communicate better. Why? Because they have more clarity. They're also able to pursue their dreams easier and faster because they have let go of most fears. They're also able to love more openly and more wisely because they have assimilated the lessons from the previous mistakes. In short, it's highly beneficial for us human beings to make the choice to heal because in doing so we have the opportunity to truly live the life we have always dreamed of living. As you all know, My life began to change dramatically after I lost my son, Christopher, to cancer. I have talked about this in my previous shows. But that tragic loss woke me up to the fact that I had not been happy before he even got diagnosed. And it put my priorities straight. Nothing like the loss of your more precious child to open up anybody's eyes to what matters in life and to what does not matter. I also know that some of the people who are listening to this show, some of you have experienced either the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one. So I ask you right now were you happy in your life before your loss? And after your loss, do you think it is possible for you to be happy again? And I ask you this question because I know that the consensus is this that happiness will never can never be experienced again by a parent who has lost his or her child or by someone who has lost his or her loved one but i'm here to tell you differently you can be happy again and why well because you know the way that you look at life before your loss completely different from the way you look at your life after your loss in fact you have been completely changed by what happened to the point that you probably do not even recognize yourself sometimes. Am I right? I bet I am. So let's define happiness. You know, when you look for this word in the dictionary, this is what you find. Delight, good spirits, lightheartedness, well-being, enjoyment, pleasure, contentment, satisfaction, joy, and the list goes on and on. Well, none of these, I know, are feelings a parent experiences after the loss of their child, not for years afterwards. I know I felt the opposite of all those feelings initially. However, as time went on, one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, and I began to gather the lessons from the law. I began to get in touch with how my feelings were destroying my life and the life of my children. And my children were counting on me to be there for them. So what began to happen is that I began to see that just as I had changed by the law, my definition of happiness had changed too. Before happiness to me was defined by how my husband behaved towards me whether he helped me with a kiss or not, whether he confided in me or not, because I had given him the power of making me happy. I had given my power away. But afterwards, happiness to me was defined by my own actions and only by my own actions. I saw that to the extent that I took steps to heal I will experience an equal measure of an increase in my well-being, good spirits, and overall level of happiness. Do you see what I mean? I feel that it's extremely important for parents who are grieving the loss of their child to give themselves the permission to feel better. Because unless we do this, we will not begin to experience a release from the hold grief has over us and over our lives. And as long as this is the case, and we continue to grieve hard, our loved ones will be negatively affected by this. I want to make something clear, though. I'm not talking about someone who has lost a child less than two or three years ago. No. Or someone who has lost a loved one less than two or three years ago. No. I'm talking about someone who has lost a child over three years ago and who's not functioning in a way that allows him or her to take care of his or her needs and those of their family. It is to you that I'm delivering this message today because it's important that you open up your eyes to the fact that you have a choice to make. And that choice can have a great impact for the positive or for the negative, depending on what you do on your life and the lives of those who depend on you and who love you. Does this resonate with you? So what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, honestly, I feel that the answer lies Somewhere inside of each one of us. Because, in my humble opinion, grief cracks us open and brings out existential questions in us. Therefore, it is in asking ourselves those questions and in doing what we need to do to find the answers so that we feel better, the solution resides. Yes, we can take antidepressants for a while. Yes, we can go to weekly counseling sessions for a while. Yes, we can attend a support group for a while, but none of those are sustaining options unless we also choose to take direct action towards doing better and feeling better in spite of the terrible thing that has happened to us. And extremely hard, I know that this is extremely hard, to get out of ourselves, of our state of deep sorrow, sadness, despair, feelings of unfairness, to actually do something about it. But the truth is that we must, we really must, if we want to wake up to this life. And especially, if we want to do what our child, what our loved one, would want us to do. If they could come back for a minute and have a little session with us, what do you think your child would tell you? What do you think my child would tell me? What do you think your loved one would tell you? They would tell you, please, Please give yourself permission, permission to move forward in life and to live. Do not suffer over me because I am fine. I am free from everything that just all the struggles and all the suffering that I had in life. I am free. So why don't you give yourself permission to be free as well? That is a message that our loved ones would give us if they had a chance and opportunity to to talk with us. Okay. So. If you doubt this, just do a little experiment of your own. If you are the kind of person who hasn't received any signs or messages that your child or your loved one is around you, and I know lots of you are, then take one positive step forward. Just take one positive step forward, whatever that might be, and wait. And pay attention because you will receive a nod in the form of a sign or a message from your loved one for sure. Try it. Try it, and then share it with me next time, okay? Because I would love to hear it, okay? So after the death, after the loss of our child, of our loved one, we had the opportunity of experiencing a rebirth. A rebirth. Because you know what? Part of us died with our loved one. Don't you think? I feel that a huge chunk of my heart died when my son died. Do you feel the same way? You know, so much of our existence and of our identity was wrapped around the love that we have for our child that we can't even fathom how we're going to be able to continue living. And it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of work and of healing in order to continue living. But every small step we take pays off in a big way. One of the things that we can do is to go on an imaginary journey. And in that imaginary journey, we see ourselves standing in the middle of a fork on the road. One of the, the roads is more of the same suffering, pain, loneliness, emptiness, sadness. And the other road leads to the clarity that comes from looking at where you have been in order to figure out where you want to be leads to finding a way to fulfillment, Fulfillment from gathering the lessons you learned from your loss leads to experiencing the inner peace and fulfillment that come from healing. So which role will you to choose? i tell you what I chose in my own journey of grief. I chose the role of healing my grief to find fulfillment in helping others protect yourself. Can you do this? Of course you can. And I can show you how if you would like to work with me. You can email me at yahoo.com. We can then set up a time to talk about what working with me would look like and whether we would be a good fit. I invite you to do that. I'd like to say that with reflection comes direction because we can see much more clearly after we reflect, after we take stock on where we have been and where we are now so that we can determine where we would like to be in the future. One of the activities that can be extremely helpful to bereaved parents is that of sitting down and writing on paper as specifically as you can how you want to feel six months from now. What do you want to be doing then? Do you want to be at home or do you want to be working? Do you fancy yourself doing volunteer work somewhere? And you envision what activities will be conducive to the feelings that you want to feel? For example, if you want to be more energized, do you want to start an exercise routine or a walking routine? I mean, these are just ideas, but these ideas can become powerful motivators. That can lead someone who is grieving towards positive change in their life. You see? You see how this can happen? Now you can take this one step further and you can cut out the words or pictures that you want to be present in your life six months from now. If you don't have magazines to cut this from, Google the words, Google the pictures, and then print them. And then you can post all of this, you can glue them onto a large piece of uh, construction paper so that you can have a visual reminder of where you want to be emotionally and physically and maybe even spiritually and mentally six months from now. And then you put this, what I call a vision board, somewhere where you can see it all the time. Take the time to look at it. Imagine yourself, imagine yourself living the life that you want to live and feeling the feelings that you have written on your vision board six months from now. Imagine yourself choosing to take the fork on the road, in the road, the road that takes you there. Okay? This is very, very powerful. It is amazing how, by keeping your focus on a more positive vision of yourself, you can actually bring that into reality. I encourage you to do this because not only is this a very powerful practice, but also because this is a perfect time to do it as we end this year and begin the year 2019 with all of our hopes for a much better year yet. And at the next next Thursday, I will be giving a more specific, um, more detailed um, explanation of how to create a vision board. So you can, you can begin to start gathering your materials now, and then you can listen in to next week and get more information on it. Okay? I know that you already have a lot on your plate, but trust me on this. Creating your own vision board can be a very fun project that you can do even with your children or with friends. The more, the merrier, okay? Mm -hmm. Now I would like to talk to you about whether you have experienced any shift in your spirituality as a result of your loss. Have you become disillusioned with your religion, with God, because your prayers went unanswered? Has your faith become stronger as a result of your loss? Or have you drifted away from organized religion and feel more comfortable having a more personal relationship with a higher power, God or the universe or nature? However you define this, I would love to hear from some of you as to where you're at. If you would like to let me know, don't hesitate to call in the show at 646-378-0378. I have heard from many very parents that they're angry at God because they beg for their child to be spared. And that did not happen. And it makes sense because it is unimaginable that a child could die. It is truly unimaginable. It just doesn't fit in our cycle of life. We're supposed to get old and then die. But that's as we found out from personal experience, isn't always the way it happens. But other parents do not get angry at God and they find comfort in their religious beliefs and are able to trust that there are reasons they don't know as to what happened to their child. Other parents, and I include myself in this group, have drifted away from organized religion and have found comfort in their spirituality. But what matters is that whatever gives us peace is what we do when it comes to our spiritual life. There is absolutely no right or wrong. What is not to be doubted is the fact that experiencing such a loss brings about a sort of spiritual crisis in us. It makes us question everything we have been told about God, everything that we heard when we were being raised, and everything that we have heard about prayer, about miracles, about death. Don't you agree? Don't you agree that all of those sorts of questions begin swirling around our head when one of these terrible losses and events happen in our lives? That's what happened to me, and I know that's what happened to lots of bereaved people. I have come to the conclusion, though, that our views of what God can and cannot do determines how we will react when we lose a loved one. It was only after my son was diagnosed with cancer that I realized that even though everyone in the Catholic belief system that I was raised in said that God does not send you a burden heavier than you can carry, I could not and I would not believe in a God that sends burdens like that to mothers like me, to innocent children like my Christopher, I just would get so angry whenever somebody said that to me. Because you know why? In the innermost and the deepest part of my soul, of my being, I knew that that was not a God I could believe in. No. No, no, no. The God I believed in was unconditionally. It was an unconditionally loving power, a force that would never... Would never be doing something like this. The God that I believed in created this world, and they allowed things to happen as they do happen. Therefore, random things, good or bad, can happen at any time, and that is why we must live our lives fully aware that each second of our existence counts, and each second of our existence offers us the opportunity to live, grow, and love That was what I realized as a result of Christopher's diagnosis. And you may have your own realizations as well. And if you would like to share them, just call in and share it with us, okay? But in my own experience, I could feel the loving presence, a loving presence, a loving power that was present around me during the hardest periods of those years and I could feel support and love, and that sustained me. Nothing about the words, God does not send you a burden, than you can carry, felt comforting, or even right to me. And that is in part why I could no longer be a part of the Catholic faith, and actually of organized religion at all. The words felt to me pale. It felt to me as if the people saying them were just repeating Centuries, centuries-old sayings, without stopping to think about the meaning of their words. I just could not connect with them. But anyways, that's what happened to me. Okay. Another thing that happened was, that as soon as people found out that my son had been diagnosed, all of a sudden there was a flood of people from different religions knocking at our door, trying to convert us. People from the Mormon Church, uh, people from the Jehovah's Witness. They just came, just, you know, knocking on our door. And you know what? That was shameful and disappointing, to be frank, because how could I even think of coming to us at such a vulnerable time and prey on our vulnerability? It made me furious, really and truly made me furious. But in time, in time, because time really does help, even though that's the last thing I wanted to hear when I was grieving The last thing I wanted to hear people tell me is, like, time heals all things. In time, you will feel better. I just felt like, no. I just felt like saying, no, no, no. No amount of time is ever going to help me when it comes to this. But the truth of the matter, I had to acknowledge that as time passed, clarity came in, healing came in, and life became easier and better. I didn't stop grieving, but I started functioning better. I healed, okay? So in time, I just took heart on knowing that I didn't need to give any of my energy to people who obviously had no clue as to what was happening to me and my family or as to what what we were going through. They had zero clue. They meant well. They meant to help. They meant to save us. But, you know, those well-meaning actions or words were definitely not appreciated or helpful, you know, to me. But enough about me and my journey. How about you? What changes has your faith, your religion, your spiritual connection undergone as a result of your loss? Share it with us, okay? I would love to hear from you. So I have been talking so far mostly about the new you, the different you that emerges after the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one. But let's go deeper into the changes that come with it. Let's talk about the fact that it's very likely, very likely, that you have experienced major heartbreak due to being let down by people you consider to be your friends. And isn't that so hard to take? It feels like a punch to the stomach when you realize that someone you thought was going to be there for you to support you and help you suddenly disappear from your life and disappear from your life at a time when you needed her or him the most. Certainly does not seem fair fair for this sort of thing to happen when you are at your lowest, does it? And it adds to our overall feelings of anger towards the world. Because nothing seems to be going our way, right? Everywhere you look, you seem to be losing something or someone. What happens is that this makes it hard for us to have a hopeful attitude towards our future, and it is totally understandable. So what can you do? My suggestion is that you try, try your best, and that's all that you can do, to hang on to every small kind gesture, every small offering of help, every small supportive act, and dwell on those rather than on what you have lost rather than on what is not being offered to you. Because otherwise, it will be harder and harder to get out of the dark hole of depression, to, to get out of the dark hole of feeling abandoned and not being cared about. Does this make sense to you? You will find that no matter how bleak your life looks right now, you can always find small glimmers of kindness that you can hang on to in order to go on in order to not only survive, but to eventually be able to thrive in spite of your loss. So besides the changes in the spirituality that you may have undergone and the changes in your friendships, how about changes in the workplace? If you work before the loss of your child or your loved one, it can be mighty difficult to return to work initially can be difficult to deal with the behavior and comments of coworkers who look at you with pity and either ask you how you're feeling when the answer is obvious and look at you with pity or try to avoid you or ask as if nothing is different about you or your life circumstances. You know, the, be- the best thing to do is to prepare yourself before you go in and make sure to not hesitate to say, I'm not ready to talk about my loss at this time. Thank you for thinking about me. So how are you? And in this way, you can deflect any more conversations about your life. You do not have to talk about it, especially if you fear that you're going to burst into tears or simply you do not want to be reminded all the time of your love. Because it helps you to just be distracted, to concentrate on your work, and to do other things. Because when you're alone, then all those thoughts and all those feelings come rushing in So how are you going to be welcoming anybody bringing you back to that place of darkness, that place of sadness, and that place of pain, okay? So this is a time when it is extremely important that you offer yourself all the kindness in the world and that you give yourself permission to verbalize your needs without concern about how the other people may feel. If they feel awkward, they'll get over it. If they feel sad, they'll get over it and so forth, okay? So how about changes in your own family, your parents, your brothers and sisters, your aunts, your grandparents? Is your grief being complicated by the incomprehensible behavior of some of the family members that you have? Because this does happen. Family members tend to have lots of opinions about what you should and you should not do. Okay? Sometimes you know, the, the grandparents uh, try to just get a lot of attention from everybody about their own grief. And in that way, they leave their, their child, who was the mother or father of the, the child who died, then without the support that they need. So feel free to say, to say to them, to any of the family members, you say, hold, this is my life. And even though you too are grieving, nobody truly can know how this mother who has lost a child feels at this time. So I ask you to stop making suggestions because I know that in time, I will figure this out, okay? Or me and my husband will figure this out. So give us some space so that we can breathe, okay? But would you find it hard to ask this of your family? It may be hard, and they may not like it. Chances are that they won't like it at all. But, you know, one of the things grief does is give us the courage, the courage to voice our needs, and it is important and healthy to do so. If your family does, does not understand what you're going through or is unable to respect your wishes or your needs at this time, then you may need to take some time away. During which you heal and your family, your extended family, take stock on what you are going through. Okay? Now, what about your nuclear family changes? How's your relationship with your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend, significant other, partner? How has it changed? Are you feeling closer or farther apart from each other? Are you able to respect your individual needs? while grieving or are either of you feeling resentful because the other is not able to comfort you or fulfill your needs at this time. Well what is key at this time is to give each other space but not just empty space. No no not just empty space. This is a time to give each other a space listening a space that is filled with the understanding that even though you may grieve differently And may need different, may have different needs, you still care for each other. A space that is filled with tenderness and with subtle offerings of support, such as a hug, a look, a sudden holding of hands to show the other that you know they're having a hard time. Do you see what I mean? It's crucial to find someone else, a friend, a counselor, you know, a a relative with whom you can talk about what you're going through. But you don't want to burden the other person, your significant other, your spouse. You don't want to burden them. And therefore, you know, you, each person individually has to, you know, fulfill their need for talking about it, if that's what they need, or for not talking about it, if that's what they need. Because sometimes it is too much to ask for your significant other to talk about your child when that is not helpful. This is particularly true in the case of men, not to stereotype men, because they're, they're, Everybody's different, but there is a, a consensus. And I, I remember clearly um, going to a lecture given by a counselor that, um, that was a, grieving, a, a bereaved father and who was teaching others about male grief. And, and he was very adamant to say that the vast majority of men, what is more helpful for them is to keep themselves busy in order not to think about what they have lost, okay? This doesn't mean that they don't care. It's just that they cannot deal. They cannot deal with the pain. So to have their spouse or significant other bring it out all the time, which is what most women need to do, what helps most women is to talk about it. That does not help men. So this is something that men do not welcome. So it is essential that we understand this and that we offer respect to this as well. So as a woman who is grieving, we can find another woman or a counselor that we can just talk about our child. We can validate their existence. We can show photos. We can cry. And then the man in your life can just just bury his head in his work, busy activities, taking care of things and planning, because that's what he needs to do at this time. That's what helps him, okay? And then when you come together, you know, he will have fulfilled his needs of just keeping busy. You will have fulfilled your needs of talking about your child or your loved one with a counselor, and then you can look at each other and recognize, even though we may be doing it differently, we're both grieving. There's no resentment. There's no expectation, you know, that the other person is going to help you with this. It's the truth of the matter is that you can't help each other because you're both destroyed. You are destroyed at this time. It's too much to expect, okay? Okay, so just hold each other's heart. You know, when you look at him, just visualize you're holding his heart in your hand. When he looks at you, let him visualize that he's holding your heart in his hand, okay? And just that is enough, okay? So if any of this resonates with you, try to implement it. Try to implement this in your own life, okay? Now, how about about physical changes? You know, were you an avid exerciser before the loss, and now you can't even imagine getting off the couch? You have a healthy appetite before, and now the last thing you want to do is eat? Nothing appeals to you. You even forget to eat at times. Did You used to care about your appearance, but now it really doesn't matter to you how you look. But all of these are signs of depression. And depression, when you're grieving, is the normal. This is a normal part of grieving. It's different than someone that has clinical depression, that hasn't suffered a loss like the one that you have had. But concerns about depression arise when after many, many months arises, when after many months after the loss, you are not beginning to feel slightly better. You're not beginning to have, more better days than before you're not beginning to have more of an appetite and you're not beginning to think again about exercising etc so it may be seeing a doctor and have a conversation about taking antidepressants for a short while in order to take the edge of your grief may be helpful or it may be that that is not what will help you the most all I know is that grieving takes a huge toll on us on our energy because you know We are trying with all our might to function day to day when, with every fiber of our being, being, we don't want to do that. No, 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 no. What we want is to curl up in a little ball and die. That is truly what we want. But we know we can't have that. So we're exhausted just from surviving. So a little help from an antidepressant for the first six months or so after our loss may be of help. Some people are anti- taking anything to help themselves because they're afraid of drugs. Well, there are natural alternatives, such as St. John's Wort, which is an herb, which has antidepressant properties. And if you want to go that natural route, ask your doctor. Ask your doctor, your primary doctor, for his or her opinion about trying this natural alternative. Or you can do it the way that I did it, which was without any help from any antidepressant Natural or not. And I tell you something, in all honesty, in all honesty, in hindsight, I wish I had taken something for the first six months or so, because it sure was tough to make it through those first months without the help of something to take the edge of my grief. While I was also dealing with a divorce, helping my two other children through their grief, and moving to a different city. Now that was a lot, and in truth, when I look back on it, I don't know how I survived through it. I feel that there had to have been divine help at that time. I do. I, I think that there was some divine help because that's just like, I don't know how I don't know how I did it. How about you? How are you feeling at this time? Are you struggling to eat, to go to work, to care for your children? to give your significant other the space they need or to care for yourself at this time? If that's the case, know that there is no need to feel bad about whatever it is that you're going through. This is a very difficult time, the most difficult of all times, and you can only do what you can do at this time. But what is important is for you to acknowledge the difficulties that you're having so that you can ask for help from others so that you can receive the support you need, so that you can be there for your family and for yourself every step of the way. You see? So now that we're getting close to the end of this show, I'm going to, I'm going to summarize you know, the, point, the points that I have been making so far. So I started, I started this show talking about how when something terrible happens in our lives, change is trust upon us, and when that happens, we have several choices. We can look at it squarely in the face and roll with it, or we can deny that it has ever happened and shut down. And the consequences of these choices are very different. So is with grief. We have choices to make when we're grieving, and sometimes those choices, some of those are made consciously, but others are made unconsciously. So when we make the choices consciously, That is when we reap the best rewards in our lives. And in order to do that, to make the choices consciously, it's important that we take time to reflect on our lives, on our upbringing, and on the events that have shaped us so that in that way we can consciously see how have we been coping with adversity in the past. And that way we can determine if that way will be helpful now or whether we need to cope differently. Because, you know, the loss of a child, the loss of a loved one is a biggie. So we need to bring in the big guns of coping. We need to shine the light within ourselves, within our psyche, to decipher who we are and what we need now in order to survive. I then went on to talk about the fact that no matter, no matter where you are right now, no matter how bad things are, how terrible you are feeling, There's always hope. But hope is not enough. Hope is only the beginning. We have to take action in order to take the steps that are needed to transform our life for the better, to experience more ease, to experience less pain, to experience less confusion, to um, have a clearer direction, to feel more energized than exhausted, to feel that we can continue living instead of merely surviving. Okay? So I encourage anyone who is listening and who has lost a child or a loved one to do this, to shine a light into their lives, to see and to ask himself or herself whether they were happy before the loss, and to look at how they're feeling now, to get in touch with the fact that both anyone who is bereaved or anyone who is bereaved the definition of what makes you happy changes after their loss. What makes them happy before is radically different from what makes them happy now. So now just having a day when you're not crying for hours may qualify as being happy. Isn't that radically different from what being happy was before for you? Sure. I also talked about the importance of giving ourselves permission to feel better. Sometimes while grieving what happens is that we subconsciously subconsciously maybe thinking that we can't feel better, that nothing will be better because our loved one is not here. So it's at some level we think that by suffering, by continuing to be in pain, we are honoring the memory of our loved one. But you know something? That is not right. That's not the truth. The truth is that our loved one, our child, only once for us to feel better. The truth is that if 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 our child could come back to us for a minute, if our loved one could come back to us for a minute and have say the most important thing they wanted to say to us, they would say, Mom, Dad, what I want for you to keep in mind the most important things that I want you to know is that I am not suffering where I'm at at right now. I am not suffering. I'm happy. I'm pain-free. So why should you be suffering and be experiencing pain? No, give yourself the permission to go on in life. Give yourself the permission to find something meaningful to do with what you have learned. Know that I love you and that we will always be connected. That will be the message that your loved one will give you, that your child will give you, Okay, if they could come back into your life and, and give you their message, okay? So um, I hope that you believe this so that this resonates as true with you, okay? So I also mentioned, I went, you know, on, on to mention that uh, with reflection, come direction, and that after shining a light within ourselves, one of the things that we can do is to begin to think about how we want to feel six months from now. What do we want to be doing? Do we want to go back to work? Do we want to stay at home? Do we want to volunteer? Who do we want to be, have around us? What kind of people? You know, what kind of activities? What kind of words do we want to be telling ourselves? What kind of feelings do we want to invite into our lives? And so we can begin to think about those, and then we can go a step further, and we can uh, create a vision board with photos of those things, like the places we want to be, the the words that we want to be thinking about, the feelings that we want to be feeling, the things that we're inviting into our lives, you know, how we want to be feeling, how we want to be living six months from now. And then we can just glue all of these words, you know, Feelings and and uh, places and you know things that we wanna wanna have around us, we can do them onto a, a, a piece of you know a board and, uh, or um, construction paper and then put it in a place that is highly visible that you will look at it every day and you will look at it every day and then see yourself imagine yourself. Being there, being that person, having those feelings, having those experiences, having healed somewhere, having gone, you know, uh, forward, having gone ahead, taking steps uh, forward into that path, you know, I, I talked about being in a fork in the road, you know, and um, when you're grieving and you can choose the path of suffering or you can choose the path of healing. So in the vision board you will see yourself having chosen the path of healing and then having gone forward six months into that path and being where you want to be, how you want to feel, okay? Doing the things that you want to be doing. And this is a very powerful practice. It can help us. It can help keep us focused on feeling better and moving forward while we're grieving, okay? The last thing that I did that I discussed was that they knew you. You know, the person that has emerged as a result of your loss has gone through major changes. And the changes, changes in spirituality, for example, possibly uh, feelings, you know, stronger in their faith or a distances from their faith or from religion, changes also in your friendship. Um, Maybe experiencing some uh, heartbreak as a result of losing long-time friends that you thought would be loyal and helpful and supportive as you were going through this. And possibly even, you know, making some new friends, you know, with other uh, uh, people who have expe- ex- experienced a similar loss. Another changes would be in your romantic relationship with a partner or with a spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, having to adjust to the individual ways of grieving and trying to coexist while grieving, that is hard. It takes, it takes, it takes um, a certain level of self-awareness to be able to manage all of those things and to realize that we can't overload our loved one because our loved one is also grieving in his or her own way and to offer respect to each other okay, and the space that we need. Another change is in the workplace learning how to feel the questions that co-workers ask of you or the way that they behave, if some of them behave as if you're invisible, learning how to voice your needs and how to stand up for yourself. Also, changes in your extended family, like dealing with the opinions from family members, the shoulds and should nots, and having to ask them to give you space at this time. You know, and other changes will be changes in the way you care about yourself, you know, whether you exercise or not, how you face each day, when, when it, how, what do you do to face each day when it feels that like it's such a hurdle to do so? So these are huge, huge changes. I also discussed whether using antidepressants can be of help. This is an individual thing. I personally did not take them, but now I wish I had because, you know, it was extremely hard to go through losing my son, divorcing, moving to a new city, and helping my other children with their grief without any help, without something to take the edge off my grief. You know, I probably would have chosen a natural antidepressant. But either way, if you do decide to do it, consult with a, you know, with a doctor, okay? So I, I discussed also that for those who are afraid of taking any medication, there is always the option of taking a natural herb such as St. John's Wort, okay? But always discuss it with your doctor first. And it goes without saying that our ability to parent is affected by grief. So it's very important to ask for the help that we need so that we can can receive the support that we need in order to be able to continue to be there for our children who so need us at this time because they're also grieving. So the last thing that I'm going to do is what I usually do, which is I draw a card, this time from the Archangel Oracle card deck from the Ring Virtual, and see what message do the Archangels have for you this week. The message that I have is this, and you will, you will know, you will feel if this resonates with you. Archangel, Archangel Jophiel says the following, your dreams are blooming more rapidly than you realize. Feel they need nurturing and patience. It takes time for a seedling to push through the ground and mature into a flower-bearing plant. Yet each moment of a plant's life cycle can bring joy to those who notice its beauty. In the same way, enjoy the process of realizing your dreams. Slow down and feel gratitude as each step brings your manifestation into tangible form. Notice the lessons and love that spring from every moment that you engage in acting upon your dreams. So this is an encouraging card for anyone who is right now trying to take active steps to heal from what they're going through, from their loss, and to um, create a new life, because that's what it takes after you have experienced such a devastating and tragic loss, okay? So I hope that you feel encouraged during this week by this message from Archangel Jofield to have patience, because because things are happening. They are happening, and um, you may not see them yet, but they are happening, okay? And lastly, if any of what I have been saying and discussing on this show resonates with you and you would like to talk with me more about how to help you, don't hesitate to send me an email at selene.negreteauthor@yahoo.com. at yahoo.com. You can also find uh, me in my business page on Facebook at Spirit Whispers with Selene, where I post a live video every Monday morning at 11 with messages from the angels for the week. Or you can also go and check out my website at www.notyourusualgriefbook.com. I know that if you are someone who has lost a child or a loved one, this is a difficult time for you because you're missing them terribly at this time. I want you to know that I will carry you in my heart this week and that I will be talking with you again next Thursday from 10 to 11. Take care.